0: The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jagiel. Presenting Season 8, Collision. Start shooting, Part 2, written by Mercedes Lackey and Cody Martin. The jetpacks were not equal to the altitude. They gave out just below the pass that was going to take them into the valley. John was grateful that at least they were still below the snow line. They weren't equipped for snow tracking, and they would have been hideously visible trudging across the pristine face of a glacier. There had not been a single sign of life, not even a village or a herdsman in all the time they'd been flying under Vix's guidance. Then again, she would have been routing them to avoid detection. Well, comrades, Moji said with resignation, peering up at the pass above them. It looks as if we are walking. Ditch the packs, hide them in the bushes, or... Wait, J.M., put your hand on the ground for me. He knew what was coming, pulled off one of his gloves, and knelt to do so. This was the first time he had acted as a channel for Victrix since his reawakening, and this was... different. He felt it, felt something warm and deep coming from somewhere outside of himself, going through him and into the earth. There was some vibration, and two mounds of earth heaved up and parted in the middle, leaving a cavity just big enough to hold the jetpacks. Moji and Unter didn't need to be told what to do. They pulled ultra-thin, ultra-strong nanofiber tarps out of their backpacks, wrapped the jetpacks in them, and set them side by side in the hole. The earth moved to cover them, evening itself out and settling until John himself would never have known the packs were there. "'That should do it. When you come back down, I'll dig them out for you. Meanwhile, nobody's going to find them.' "'Roger that, Vic. We're proceeding along the course.' It's all Shank's mare from here. Just follow the yellow brick HUD. Put two eyeballs up for me, please. I'll be your fore and aft scout. The route that Vicky had plotted out for the team avoided as much of the harsh country as it could, but it still wasn't easy going. It was going to be an almost entirely uphill trek, over rough terrain that had a habit of giving way underfoot unexpectedly. It wasn't long before all of them, even with the concentrators and John and Sarah's altered metabolism, were breathing hard from the exertion. Though the view was rather stunning if one of them was to pause long enough to look back along the path they had taken, there wasn't much else that stood out about this place. Just untouched, mountainous wilderness for miles and miles, with the glaciers and snow-capped peaks high above them. Well, the snow was covering considerably more than just the peaks of these mountains. It came down about halfway, and John was just glad that they weren't going to get near it. Are we being sure about intelligence on this area from electric dead men? Expense of this trip alone, not to mention wasted time. Untermensch eyed the slope above them with disfavor. Being one way to find out the Dushka, and that is to go there and look with own eyes. Moji shrugged his pack into a better position before marching forward. I have a feeling, beloved," Sarah whispered. Sarah had slowed so that John was abreast of her, with both of them being several paces behind their Russian comrades. A feeling. About the mission. Ever since their connection had been made, John was able to sense Sarah's feelings as if they were his own. It was a new sensation, but it didn't feel altogether alien for him. He had settled into it comfortably almost immediately, and hardly thought about it consciously anymore. Perhaps. I don't know. I sense... Lives many living things nearby. She looked at him uncertainly. John concentrated for a moment, then nodded. I can feel it, too. Now this was alien to him. It felt as if there were shapes on the edge of his perception, shifting and mingling. He knew, though he didn't know how, that they were alive. Moji, Hold up for a second. The two Russians stopped and turned to face the couple as they caught up. Sarah is getting a sense that there's a lot of... someone up ahead. I can confirm it. I think this lead might not be a bust after all. Molotov raised an eyebrow, trading a look with Untermensch. A... sense? It's not something I can really quantify, but I'm not bullshitting you, comrade. Untermensch clicked his tongue in exasperation. And our tactical doctrine is supposed to do what with these feelings, eh? Comrades, you don't argue with Soviet when she censors something, do you? John knew that Vicks had hit on exactly the right analogy when he saw the exasperation start to fade from both of the Russian spaces. I don't know exactly what Johnny and Sarah have now, but I'm pretty sure part of it is like Sovy's psionics. Only neither of them have the right language yet to describe what they're picking up, or the experience to know what it is exactly that they're sensing. Hell, it's like learning to use an HUD when you've never seen one before. That point made. So we proceed with caution. Spread out formation. Send eyes forward to scout. "'Mission being to observe and report back any activity with detail.' Molotov nodded to the group. "'Murdoch, you will be on point. "'Lead us in direction of this sense of yours. "'Weapons out all.' "'With that, the big Russian unslung his rifle, pressed checked to make sure it had a round chambered, "'and then set off for the left flank. "'Unter did the same before setting off to the right.' I strongly feel I should not be flying, Sarah said firmly, and manifested the spear of fire. I shall cover the rear. Roger that, love. Mute the brightness on your spear if you can. Don't want to give away our position. She frowned with concentration for a moment, and in her hands, the spear seemed to take on the color of old hot coals. As she turned to leave... John caught her by the elbow. Oh, and love? I, beloved. Be careful. He pecked her on the cheek, then winked at her as he grinned lopsidedly. Unbidden, he felt himself feeding reassurance and his love for her into their connection, and felt it returned in kind. And you as well. She smiled impishly. You would be much less attractive with bullet holes in you. Then she was off to her area of responsibility, leaving John alone at the middle and front of the team's formation. Time to get on with it. And put up the other two eyes. I want all four quadrants covered from the air. John fished two more of Vicky's technomagical eyes from the pouch on his load-bearing equipment, tossing them up into the air. They disappeared almost immediately, off on their errands for the mage. John checked his own rifle, making sure the suppressor was affixed properly, that he had a full magazine, and that there was a round chambered. Satisfied, he set off at a careful trot. The ground had leveled out a little bit, and thus the going was easier. They were trekking through upland forest, evergreens of some kind, tall and thin. Above them was Alpine Meadow, and further above that, the snow. And ahead of them, towering impossibly above the slope they were climbing, probably the tallest mountains John had ever seen, so tall it was hard to wrap his mind around how big they were. Steep, craggy, snow-crusted, and utterly unforgiving, No wonder the people here considered those peaks sacred. It didn't seem possible that anything mortal could climb those near-perpendicular slopes. And as for living there, no, they were the essence of frozen death. This was John's kind of country. He could easily see himself spending his days living in these kind of woods. It was also the kind of terrain that he was born, bred, and trained to make war in. There wasn't much in the way of underbrush beneath these trees. This was a hard land, and an unforgiving one. Everything that lived here had to fight to exist. And now, to complicate matters, they were moving into an area of heavy fog. Or maybe it was clouds. They were certainly high enough for the thick mist to be clouds. It obscured everything, shutting down their range of vision to a few yards ahead at times— and rendering the entire landscape into a scene that could have been pulled from the opening to a horror movie. John felt the Krieger's presence before he saw the man. John immediately signaled for the rest of the group to drop, go prone, and still. And a few moments after his feeling of a presence alerted him, Vix confirmed it. Heads up, bogey at eleven o'clock, five hundred twenty-one meters. John shifted slightly from his prone position, bringing up his rifle to look through the Trijicon ACOG scope. He could see the tiny figure clearly when he wasn't moving in and out of fog. Definitely a Krieger, and one that was trying to be sneaky for whatever reason. At this range, the Krieger was just inside of John's engagement envelope for his rifle. But it would have to be a perfect shot. Better not to chance it. Molotov, I've got eyes on the Krieger. He's alone, armed. No signs of any other enemy presence. This guy's alone out there in Indian country. He's trying to sneak around, it looks like. What's the call? There was a short pause on the comm. We need to find out what that fascista is doing out here. If your feelings are correct... He isn't going to be alone for long. Intercept him. Victrix, can you block his communications once we are getting close? Da, comrade. He could hear the glee in Vix's voice. Moron is broadcasting a carrier wave, making my job easier. Jamming in three, two, one. Engage. (laughs) He probably won't notice he's jammed until he tries to call home. Intercept and record any transmissions the Svinia attempts. Murdoch, move in and engage the target. Team keep dispersion, and hold on Murdoch's signal. John waited a few moments, observing the Krieger's movements and the likely paths that he would take based upon his direction of travel. Studying the terrain, John quickly outlined in his mind the way he would go, where he would take cover— likely positions that ambush could come from, and so forth. The mist would help to conceal the team. With Vicky's eye and his sense of where the Krieger was, he'd be able to track the Thulean without needing to maintain a visual. The Krieger was further down in the valley from them. John would need to be particularly careful that they didn't get caught on the slope of the mountain, since they'd be exposed to any sort of counterattack." It was slow going, since John paused often to do a listening check, but he was still able to close the distance to the Krieger. When the team was roughly fifty meters away from their target, John signaled for everyone to hunker down. Looking over his shoulder to confirm that everyone was in good cover, he continued forward, alternately crawling or in a low crouch, using the mist, trees, rocks, and vegetation to keep himself concealed. As he got closer, his sensitive nose picked up the burnt cinnamon, musk, and rancid oranges scent that characterized Thulian's. Peeking out from behind a large boulder roughly ten meters away from the Krieger, John saw that he had stopped and was fiddling with the device, muttering occasionally. Finally noticed that Victrix broke his walkie-talkie. John took the time to sling his rifle, unholstering his pistol and checking its suppressor. The supersonic crack from the rifle, even suppressed, would travel a lot further in this valley than that of the pistol. Crouched low, with his pistol trained on the back of the Krieger's head, John moved forward in complete silence. He was rolling his feet with each step, going from the ball of the foot to the outside edge, keeping his movements deliberate and smooth. Despite his approach being as near to perfect as was possible, Dumb luck had the Krieger turn his head at the last moment. His enhancements already keyed up. John made a snap decision. He holstered the pistol, took a step while unsheathing his knife, then clasped a hand over the Krieger's mouth as he stabbed the man underneath the solar plexus with the blade angled upward. With a sharp tug to the right, he bisected the Krieger's heart, killing him almost instantly.' As the light faded from the Thulian's eyes, John set him down softly, scanning the immediate area for any other threats. There was... something else. He felt the Krieger's presence fade as the being died, and he knew that Sarah could feel it too. It was... uncomfortable for John. He had never liked killing and still didn't. He saw the necessity of it, "'sometimes in his job, before when he was in the military, "'and now in his role as a metahuman fighting against a genocidal menace. "'But this... "'This felt like a dissonance in the song. "'Something needed but wrong at the same time. "'He didn't shake the feeling, "'but he didn't have time to process it at the moment either. "'This is Murdoch,' Krieger neutralized. "'Move everyone up.' Slow. Bugger, that's a complication. Johnny, ground, bare hand, please. We don't want anyone finding the dead rat. Had to be done. Gonna strip him of gear and any intel. Roger that, but I need to make a big enough hole so no one is going to find him, and that takes time and energy. Give me the loke with your hand, and I can take it from there while you search him. John stripped off one of his gloves, placing it against the ground. As before, two mounds of earth heaved up and parted, as if someone was digging up from below. This was going to be a deep one, though. Vicks would have to bury the body deeper than, say, a dog could find it. Just in case the Kriegers had something like a body-sniffing dog. Of course, once the body began to decay, that bet was off, but they should be well gone before that happened. One thing's for sure, Vic sighed. I'm burning energy like a fiend, and I'm never going to gain weight as long as you keep this kind of thing up. So, this will make you less sturdy, comrade? Molotov quipped. If you grow any smaller, we will never be finding you. John had already begun stripping the Krieger down to his clothing. One of their energy pistols, the comm device he'd been fiddling with, some assorted kit that wasn't particularly interesting, a couple of devices that he didn't recognize, and an honest-to-God Hitler youth knife. John piled all of the regular gear together and separated out the Thulean tech. Once that was done, he rolled the body into the hole that Vicky had created. Almost immediately, the earth she had moved started to roll on top of the body, burying it. Once again, the earth packed itself down and what little had been displaced scattered itself. Then the detritus of the forest floor rearranged itself until there was no sign that the earth had ever been dug up. Vicky's four eyes came back into visibility, hovering above the pile of Thulian tech. They quivered and rotated as Vicky worked her techno-shamanism. Johnny, separate out this thing, will you? One of the eyes landed gently on the top of a rhomboid-shaped object that had odd dimples in it, as if it was some sort of dingus to exercise your hand with. John obliged, turning it over and around at Vicky's direction. Done, what' you think it is? The others on the team had spread out around John, keeping a watch on the perimeter while Vicky performed her magic show. I think I'll know in a minute. The thing popped its top, right in John's hand. Inside were what looked like a couple of tiny gauges with a button between them. I think it's a key. Like, I am eighty percent sure it's a key. You're supposed to go where he was going, and when both those gauges redline, you push the button, Max. The indentations are so you get a better grip on it. I think having a good grip on it means you're alive or something. John turned the device over in his hands, then looked at the other two. What about those gizmos? One's as calm. You're too far from me to get a good read on the other. Maybe a storage device? Get your mind out of the gutter, but I don't have the right equipment out there to stick into it to find out. I wasn't anticipating having to do a remote access and debug. Her voice turned a little grim. Besides which, I know they have viruses that can infect our stuff, and I don't want to find out they put just-in-case booby traps on their equipment the hard way. Right. Let's just hope this gizmo doesn't blow up in my hand then, Miss 80%. John stood up, grasping the Thulian device as Vicky had instructed him to. All right, folks, I guess we're following wherever this thing leads us. Molotov adjusted the team so that he was covering John, freeing John up to operate the device. Untermensch and Sarah were set to guard the flanks and rear, alternately. As soon as they started moving again, the gauges became active. It took John a few minutes before he found just the right way to hold the device and to find the proper heading, but they were soon on their way to... Whatever that Krieger had been trying to find, they had come to the top of a pass, looking down into the next valley that gave the team a good vantage point for the rest of it. When the device's gauges redlined, just as Vicky had predicted, and the device itself started vibrating in pulses. I think this is it. Y'all ready? The presences are very, very strong, beloved. Sarah's voice trembled just a little. They are all ahead of us. I am seeing nothing but an empty valley full of trees, Molotov said doubtfully. Perhaps he's large population of monkeys? I doubt it, but let's be prepared for anything once I push this button. Vic, you recording this? Continuous since you hit the ground. Roger, let's rock and roll. Everyone tensed, bringing their weapons to the ready. John pushed the button, and everyone collectively gasped, Vicky included. In the center of the pass, the air solidified into a circle. Then a kind of portal irised out of the center of that circle and what showed in that circle was nothing like the empty tree-filled valley that seemed to be there if you looked outside the circle. Dermo. It was one of the few times John had seen Unter lose his composure. He felt that it was a rather appropriate moment for it. Comrades, I have the distinct feeling it would be extremely unhealthy for anyone to try and go over this pass anywhere but through that doorway. Someone chuck a rock to one side of it, would you? Molotov picked up a small round stone and obliged the mage. The stone sailed through the air to a point just past the portal, then slowed, then stopped in midair. John noticed that there was a slight distortion in the air around the stone a split second before the piece of rock disintegrated in a fizzle. Uh, yeah. Not particularly fussy about collateral damage, are our Nazi friends. And I know I have seen those buildings before. As Vicky had said, the valley was filled with buildings. Not just. Buildings but monumental structures, Romanesque in design, impossible in scale. John, too, had a disconcerting sense of familiarity, as if he had seen this urban landscape somewhere before. Did they actually flatten the valley floor to build that? It certainly looked as if they had, because John couldn't see anything that looked as if the Thulians had built to follow the contour of the land. The entire... City, it had to be a city, was laid out with precision. Somehow, he knew that if he measured anything in there, it wouldn't be off by a micron. The centerpiece of the city was a huge domed structure that was so far away that more of the wisps of mist, or floating cloud, obscured it. And every single structure was pure marble, or at least some white substance that looked from this distance like marble. I knew I'd seen that before. In place of one of the information screens in the upper right of John's HUD was a picture. It matched the city he saw before him almost perfectly, with one exception. Instead of the arena, it looked as if the builders had substituted a giant parade ground. What? Molotov asked hesitantly. Germania. Germania. Albert Spears planned a super city for the Reich. What was going to take the place of Berlin when the Nazis won the war? Some bright young things found the plans and did a digital mock-up of it. There was even a television program about it. That's where I saw this. Question now is, do we go in? If nothing else, we probably ought to send some eyes in there. Start mapping, cataloging. I mean, just look at this goddamn place. John was awed by the spectacle of it, but not so much that he lost sense of purpose. They had a job to do here, and time was of the essence. We don't need to map it. Near as I can tell from where you are, it's an exact copy except for that parade ground, Vicky pointed out. I think you need to GTFO as fast as your feet will take you. Yet. Molotov's gaze was hard. We will go inside. This is what we came for. The more intelligence we gather now, the better. It's official. You are freaking insane. You realize I cannot do much of anything for you in there, right? Other than what I'm doing now. No giant rock man, no escape tunnels, not much in the way of rock barriers between you and very bad, fatal things. You are a long, long way away from me, and the farther you are, the harder it is to do the earth magic stuff that keeps your asses intact. Understood, Victrix. We will make do. John saw the logic behind it, but even he had some doubts about the course of action. He knew through his connection that Sarah felt the same. He thought he heard Vicky mutter something under her breath about calling in some favors, but his attention wasn't on her at this moment. This was going to take some doing to get right. Even with the map of the layout, they wouldn't know if the buildings would have the same purpose as they did in the plans. There were a lot of unknowns, and they were about to dive right into the middle of them. Vex, how many Kriegers could this place house? Hypothetically. Millions. The stadium that was supposed to be there was supposed to hold 400,000. Eight million? Ten million? Let's hope they're underpopulated then. Molotov, um, you mind if I take the lead on this? I've got some experience getting in and out of places quietly. I am experienced in making a great deal of noise. Lead us, Murdoch. The two Russians looked grim. This had to be a nightmare come true for Untermensch, John knew that he had been held in Nazi captivity during World War II and that the Nazis weren't exactly the most humane captors. It was anyone's guess what Molotov was thinking. Having been raised by parents that fought in the war, in a country that had been personally hit hard by it, it was a testament that he was keeping it together as well as he was. All right, stay low and behind me. We want a small signature on this one. We don't engage unless there's an unavoidable risk of discovery otherwise. And once we're done, we're getting the hell out of here, fast. Stick together, no matter what. We don't want to get lost in this godforsaken place. With a final nod, John took a breath and stepped through the portal. You have been listening to Collision, Season 8 of the Secret World Chronicle Podcast Novel Series. Season 8 is written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguar. Music is Exciting Trailer by Kevin MacLeod from Incompetech.com. The Secret World Chronicle Podcast is narrated and produced by Veronica Jaguar and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. The fourth book, Collision, is available in print and ebook in December 2014 from the amazing people at Bayon Books. For more information about the series or to listen to earlier seasons, check out www.secretworldchronicle.com. Want to chat with the authors and fellow SWC fans? Join the Secret World Chronicle group on Facebook. And as always, thank you for listening.